Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on this study we're doing of the New Testament, we're working through it one chapter at a time. And uh, today we're going to be looking at John chapter 17. And this sort of uh, finishes up these three or four chapters where, where Jesus has been in this very sort of intimate time and place with his disciples. And he's been laying out the foundation of what life will look like when he's no longer with them. And, and remember, as we said, too, that, that even though he's preparing his guys, the guys still can't take in what's going to happen. And they still think that somehow uh, Jesus is going to rise up politically and deal with the big mess that's going on. Uh, even though he keeps telling them, we're almost done, I'm going to the cross, get ready, I'm not going to be here. And they, 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 just, they, they hear it, but they don't take it in. And, and I, I can imagine how confusing it might be to have spent three years with Jesus and to see how, in all that time, um, he had so mightily moved under the power uh, 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 and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and seen the miracles they'd seen and, and how any other time when people had tried to get him, he could always slip away. And so they'd seen all these things and, and they just couldn't compute that somehow that wasn't going to continue to be the case. And, and I, I think that's legitimate. I think if, if any of us were in that same situation... We, that's how we would be dealing with it. We, we would be looking like, what are you talking about? You've always done it like this, and we're not sure what's going on, but we think you're going to continue doing that. And, you know, like I said, they, they, the argument persisted up in through and into this time of who would be the greatest and the, the bragging rights and, you know, Peter saying, I'll go with you anywhere and, and all the things that happened. But, but we know that they're quickly going to, they're going to take off and disband when, when Jesus is arrested. They just, they're not going to be able to take it in. And deal with it and process it, and, and that brings up a whole other you know set of circumstances we'll talk about as we move on. But we we get to John 17 now, and uh, as we said, uh, if you were here with us this weekend, uh, John 17 is a prayer. The whole thing is a prayer, and he's praying for his disciples, and in turn he's praying for us, and he makes it very clear, and and uh, it's a very powerful prayer. Um, and, and, and so let's, let's go ahead and read it. Um, it's in John chapter 17. You can turn there in your Bibles if you'd like. Or if you have the bulletins, it's going to be in the bulletins. Or you can pick up one of the few Bibles, however you want to do it. But let's look at John 17. There's 26 verses, beginning in verse 1. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you. 
and they believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that Scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more. They are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world... I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. And blessed be the word of the Lord. One of the things that Jesus repeats in, in that uh, chapter over and over again, and it's key, is that, uh, that they may believe that you have sent me. And... Uh, this is, you know, at the heart of the message uh, 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 that we're to convey. Um, that, that people would know that God has made a way for everyone in Christ. And that uh, he prays some specific things for us. And um, part of what he prays is that, that uh, we would uh, be able to uh, have some unity... And, and that in that unity and in the way that we love one another, people would know that, that God's at work and that uh, this is all part of the process and part of the things that he's praying for. But he, he, he like I said, he's concluding this thing. And again, I'm, I'm amazed at uh, Jesus' concern for his disciples and how in the midst of the things that he's going through, he's so other-centered. I mean, knowing that the cross was coming, that he, he takes his time to make sure the disciples are prepared for. It just amazes me about the heart that, that he has for people. And, and I think there's such a lesson there. Um, Friday, I forgot to mention, the, at noon, 
the, the Methodist Church does the uh, seven last words of the cross, and they invite different pastors in to come and share. And I'm going over there uh, Friday at 12.55. And I have the third word of the cross. And the third word of the cross is um, where uh, Jesus looks at the disciple that he loves. Church tradition would call him John. <laughs> and and uh, he says to John... And that's fine. We're not, remember, I, if, the only reason I think that's funny is that I told you the other day that it's possible that, that although church tradition says not, that that disciple that Jesus loved could be Lazarus, but, but nonetheless, I said it wasn't a theological point to pick. Then I think it's funny that I get the third word at the ecumenical service. Um, <laughs> so, so over there it's going to be John. <laughs> I don't want to ruffle anybody up, and that's fine. Probably is John. So anyway... Jesus is on the cross. He's, he's endured the, the mock trials, the, the, you know, the illegal trials that, without sleep, um, the, the, the beating, the, the whipping, uh, the, the, and it wasn't just whipping, it was, it was with the metal ends of it that, that would have been ter- horrendous. The, the humiliation, the, the weariness, the nailing to the cross. He's on the cross. And he looks at his mother and the disciple whom he loves standing there. And he begins to care for her and for him. And, uh, you know, he, he says, you know, woman, behold your son. And, and to, his, to his friend, and this is now your mother. I mean, he's making sure that she's taken care of. Church history would tell us at this point, by now she's a widow, that, that uh, Joseph is gone and and that Jesus is making sure she's making sure she's taken care of, um, and and uh, you know he's got nothing at that point to give. He has no inheritance. He's don't even have clothes anymore because the guards have taken him and they're casting lots for him. But he can show his concern for her and taking care of her in that way. And and I just I think about that and I, I you know see it's it's this picture of love that that we, we, we're supposed to grasp. That, that somehow we're supposed to see that this love that God has for us is so much different than what we're generally used to and what we settle for and, and how sort of um, you know, selfish our love tends to be. And that, that this was such a different situation. And there he is, his concern for her. And just like this, he's, he knows what's coming. He's, he's, he, he knows what he's about to endure, and yet his concern is for his friends and ultimately for us. And this is the heart of God. And, and we're going over this again because I want to make sure you see it. You, you need to see the heart and the passion of God for you and the lengths that he went to so that, that people would know that he came for them, that, that people would know that God made a way, that people would know that, that, that as ambassadors, we have the message, the ambassador's message that God is, is no longer counting men's sins against them, but he's made a way for them to be restored in Christ to relationship now and forever. And that, that this is the heart of the gospel message. It's, and, and as we approach this weekend where we, we sort of remember, again, the events of the cross, and, and yet that it didn't end there. He, Jesus defeats death and, and, he, and he rises. And that... that in all of that, he makes a way for us to have life everlasting. That's the heart of the God. That's, that's what we're here to make sure the world knows. And, and 
you know, he's told his guys, listen, it's not going to be easy. People don't want to hear it. Uh, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be persecuted. You know, you'll be ridiculed. All these things will happen. And yet, this is, this is what they have to hear. This is it. This is the, this is the chance. If you've, read, if you've been reading those chapters, you read John 14 Monday, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, this is the message. Some people, when they read John 14, 6, they get frustrated because it seems so narrow. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And a lot of people get really frustrated with that verse. Because it seems, you know, especially in the way that we think now, well, that doesn't seem right. That What about all these other, you know, there's just one way. But, but you know, if you think about it, because I think that's, that's our bad thinking. Here's, here's my thinking on the process. I'm not upset that there's only one way. I'm just glad that there's any way at all. We don't deserve a way. See, our thinking is, well, we, God doesn't owe us anything. But he made a way. I mean, and for us to go, well, that's just one? <laughs> Do you get how crazy that is? Yay, there's one. Or we'd be done, lost, doomed, nothing else. But he's made a way. See, we don't, we don't need to be arrogant in the way that we share that or, or run other people's things down. We just need to continue to live the truth. He does the rest. And, and he, he takes care of the rest. And he, he's the ultimate judge of the rest. And, and I don't know how all that stuff works out. All I know is that I know that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And I have to live that way. And that he's, he wants us to tell other people, or at least to demonstrate it. And that when they ask, be ready to share. What's your hope? What's going on with you? And, and that, that we're open to the Spirit of God moving in us to, to learn to love like he does. To be changed. To not be settled in the way of the world. To not, to not be complacent, but to know that there's more. This, this weekend... Um, Easter weekend, so I'm preparing for my message. And, you know, I, I really, I always ask God, please God, use that time because there will be people here for that weekend and it might be the only time that they come. Um, it might be it. And you would think, oh no, people, do you know, uh, like a month ago on a Saturday night, I had a guy that came to church and he had to be in his 30s and he looked at me and he said, this is the first time in my entire life I have ever stepped foot in a church. I, you know, I was like, well, cool. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. And he came back a second time. Now, I haven't seen him for a couple of weeks. But anyway, see, that's always one of those, I like to have those little stories. First time's in, we got him saved, and now he's on fire, and he's in seminary, and it's all good. <laughs> but that would be pastoral license or something. I don't know what that would be. And I can't do it. Um, I'm hoping he comes back. But he came twice. But, but I say that because there's, there's people that have never, they've never heard, they've never heard the message. Other people have heard it and rejected it or heard it and haven't said it or they, they hear about the love of God and they've let it flow over themselves. But, but so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm losing track. That I'm praying and um, what, what, my, what I want to share is, because it kind of ties into what I was just saying, is that... Um, People are shooting for the good life. And a lot of people come down to the Keys looking for the good life. And, and you know, compared to a lot of places, it's a pretty good life. 
what I mean? Good weather, laid back attitude, uh, near the water, good life. But, but my thing is, but what if there's a better life? And, and what if the good life ain't as good as it gets? And so what I want to present this weekend is the better life that's found in Christ and only in Christ. But, but see, all that's happening and all of this is because, because of this love that God has for us and that he's demonstrating. And I see it so clearly in, in this chapter and in this prayer. And so he starts in those first five verses and, he, and he's praying for himself. Um, and, and that's a perfectly fine place to start prayer. Um, and he, he, you know, he, he, he begins there, but he does a lot of that as a model because he's talking about how completing his work, once he's completed his work, he's going to be with the Father. And he'll be in the, the presence of the Father. And see, the deal is, so his assignment here was temporary, and then he gets to be in the presence of the Father. Why is that a good model? Because our assignments here are temporary. And then we get to be in the presence of the Father. Now, temporary could be, you know, a hundred years, but it's temporary. And then we're in the presence of the Father. And so he's, he's talking about how that looks. And so our lives here, while momentary, have a purpose uh, that, that, that all of us share, which is to let people know who Jesus is, but, but then we get to be with him and in his presence. Then he goes on in, in uh, verses 6 through 19, and he prays for our protection. And he, he prays, again, as we talked about, that we'd be sanctified by his truth. And so we've talked about the importance of, of knowing God's word and, and why we stress that all the time. Why it's, it's got to be the, the foundation of what we do. Why it's, um, it's so easy to let it slip away and just sort of um, uh, live kind of Christian. But if you, if you don't get this, you, you miss it and we get, we get off track. And, and there's so much stuff in there we need to see. And, and there's, there's so many things to, to think about and that he presents that, like I said, you'll, you'll never see unless you read the book for yourself. They just will never get preached on. You know, there's, there's, too, many, there's too many messages in here that you get preached on. And, and, uh, and so we need to continue to dig into it all the time and, and, and look for those little, uh, the nuggets and the, and the jewels and the thing that God wants you to just really consider and, and, uh, and chew on in your life. There was something I saw. I did this Saturday night because I thought of something. And then I couldn't find the verse. And I was ten minutes on set. You were here. And it was really embarrassing. But I just went, oh, well, you know. And, and uh, But in, in, this is Second Samuel 19. Again, this is just from regular reading. See, and these things pop out at me. And David, whose son... And, and if you notice about David, all these people that, that David loved were always trying to mess him up. <laughs> his... his Saul uh, was after him and his, his, you know, he was just, he was always in, in a mess. His kids were after him. It was a big deal. And um, Absalom is killed and David goes back into the kingdom. But David's upset about his son being killed, even though his son was trying to kill him. And so David's not um, taking care of the, the people that made it possible for him to go back. And one of his guys says to him, and this is, this is powerful, something to think about. Because he says to David in Second uh, Samuel nineteen six, and you can look at it. He says, "You love those who hate you, and you hate those who love you." And I read that, and I thought, you know, that sometimes that so what happens in our worlds, and and uh, that is something to think about. See, but again, those are the kind of things that you you ask God to have the Spirit show you what that means. What's that mean to you? 
But that only happens if you read it. Again, that's not going to be in very many messages. So you, you may miss it. And like I told you last Sunday, if you're here, you're never going to hear that the sermon preached on the guys with half-shaved beards and the behinds cut out of their pants because nobody knows how to work that in. Although I might try at some point now. but And in effect, I've done it twice. <laughs> okay. So, and then he prays in that same chunk of prayer, I'm going to finish up quick, that we would, be go, out, we, we would go out into the world that we've been talking about to let people know that he's come. And, and we're to live um, not in isolation from the world, even though it's evil and corrupt, because um, he's going to protect us, but in the world, but not being conformed to it either. We're to be light. We're to be witnesses. We're to be salt. And, and we're never going to be that um, by, by some sort of legalistic, self-righteous, pharisaical type behavior, but by living and loving well and extravagantly. That's the only way we make a difference in the world. So we have to love people well, the way that God does, and is demonstrating throughout this thing at the cross by being vessels of His grace and His mercy and letting people know how much He loves them, how much God loves them, and the way that He's made for them to have relationship. And so we, 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 we do that by being sanctified by His Word, staying focused in, in what He tells us. And then the, the last six verses there in John 17... Um, uh, it talks about the disciples, you know, and going on through all generations. And by living out the call to be his ambassadors, we continue to advance the kingdom of God. And, and so Jesus emphasized he wasn't just praying for the disciples, but for those who will believe in me through their message. And, and I think this is so cool, see, because that includes you and I and all the believers throughout the centuries, all the centuries, all the believers that, that have been a part of this whole process. And if you ever think about that, how cool it is to be a part of his story. And as believers, that's what you are. You're a part of his story. And, and it's weaved its way through these thousands of years and continues on until his return. And the church continues to grow and multiply as, as Jesus continues to reach out through us. And, and all this is made possible as we continue to live in Him, to find life in Him, knowing that He's our source and that we will be with Him forever and that when our task is completed, we're in His presence forever and ever. And that's sort of the basis for John 17. Amen? Amen. If you're watching by video, thank you for watching. If you have to play this in Williston, most of Williston is here, so they'll get to see it again. at the point in time when they do John 17. But uh, if you're watching on the Internet, you need anything, call us, write us, email us. We'll be happy to take care of that. We're going to shut down here and pray for all the prayer requests that you have. So please pass them up to me.